Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. Uh, this week I'm catching up with Melbourne-based artist, Deems. How you going? Well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. It's good to finally catch up. For sure. I think we've uh, been talking about this for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I first uh, came across your art through graffiti. Was that your um, your first introduction into art? Um, no. Um, my, my introduction into art was um, probably... Um, first through through my my mother and my father. Uh, my mother was um, an art teacher, along with many other things, um, and my father's uh, architect designer. Um, so their Im- early influence on my on my creative development um, was yeah at a pretty early age, um, and my connection to, 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 to artistic practice was, was way, way back then um, through, yeah, just uh, sort of painting and drawing and, yeah, other, other mediums. Yeah. Did they always encourage you to, like, you know, they put the paper and pens and stuff in front of you? And... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they truly believed in, in cultivating creativity within their children, so it was always was always something that was there um, uh, as uh, as a means to just to 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 play you know mm. um, so yeah I guess that's that's really where it started yeah and graffiti came a lot longer like a lot further after that yeah guess it's a good way to shut the kids up eh? you got kids running around yeah. driving you crazy hey, draw. yeah yeah, yeah. The, I mean the television was never a prominent thing in our family until maybe in, in, in our teens when I was really young and it was just actually just my mother and I um, there, there was no television it mm. was, was all it was always about you know playing with materials yeah whether that be um, you know, just something as simple as, as offcuts of wood or building blocks um, or watercolour, pencil drawing, you know. So that was, yeah. I think it became, from a really young age, it became in, ingrained in me that that was just something that I did. That's what, that was just something that we always did. And I think that's just continued from yeah. that point onwards. And what sort of art does your mum do? Well, she, she's, uh, she's really creative herself um, and I think more, more than, um, a, more than a, an actual producer of art, she's a creative um, mind, a creative person in her outlook um, and in her influence on other people. Um, but she... She she has always used um, art as a as a means to to you know I guess enter uh, like we all do kind of enter a timeless space uh, space of process and you know where where we sort of are able to just be um, engaged in a um, a, a sort of non analytical um, practice you know which is you know helps us to unwind and helps us to make discoveries and mm. you know it's, it's it's one of those sort of um ambiguous things but um yeah for her it was i think it was it's never really about making art to necessarily um to show people 
although she's happy to show it to people, it was more about the practice of doing it as a sort of, um, yeah, as a means to just connect with a deeper part of herself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I forget about all that, you know, like just making art for the sake of making art and being a, just a creative person in general. Mm. Because, you know, I've always sort of lived like that and mm. I've always had art be a side thing to my job or even had jobs that have been creative as well. Mm. But um, because I surround myself with so many um, people who make a living off their art and then also I'm in a studio full of people who are either making a living or striving to make a living off their art, I sort of forget about the you know, the purity of just making art for art's sake and not like striving for anything yeah, and, and just yeah. for, like doing it solely for self-satisfaction. Yeah, with, and, without an end point, without exactly. a, a, a material result or, yeah, yeah absolutely. But, but even the interviews I do on this podcast, it's like a lot of it's, you know, the business of art as well and how did you get to where you are and all that type of stuff. And it's, I know, just hearing about your mother then, it just really brought me back to sort of humble beginnings, mm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that's... Um, was you know very influential on my practice to this day is is uh, is that at the heart of it it's it's not about um, a business it's not about um, you know it's not about selling work and 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 all of those things are very relevant to a, to a professional practice and relevant to me but at the heart of it it's it's really about a journey of self-discovery a journey of of evolution uh you know discovering language um and in in the world um and and your relationship to 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 you know to everything internal and external so it's you know really you know we kind of like um we kind of like explorers yeah yeah because i don't know not one artist that started art uh, started producing art in order to um, make money. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that comes later. <laughs> it, does, it does. Get to you a know. point where you go, ah, oh, maybe, uh, maybe I could quit my job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Take that leap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, like, I first came across your art through graffiti. And, like, you always stood out to me as someone um, who was painting a different style to everyone else. You know, there was, like, this sort of traditional Melbourne Wild style and then there was... You know, people sort yeah. of, I guess in the era, that era that we're doing, like like seeing things were happening like LA and New York and things like that. But your style seemed, I don't know, a bit different. Like, like where were your influences coming from? Sure. Um, well, I mean, looking back to those times, like, um, firstly, coming from, uh, coming from Tasmania, um, moving to Melbourne, um, when I was, I guess, in the early stages of my involvement or interest in, in, in writing and graffiti there, this, the scene there is, is very small, very almost non-existent to a degree. Um, so like here in Melbourne, you know, you have a lot of visual stimulus, you have a lot of influence, you have a lot of styles and a lot of history with the scene. Um, that we didn't have in Tasmania, in Hobart. Um, so really for me, my my connection with graffiti and my, I guess, exposure to it didn't come from Australia, it didn't come from Melbourne. Uh, my first exposure was mainly from writers in Germany um, and other parts of Europe. So 
those and that was through you know online or through magazines so those and I, I discovered those those artists and, and that and and that movement uh, through my brother Seymour um, and he actually got me into sketching um, so that's kind of how it all began for me but coming back to the influence and that development of style that's why I mean for me that's why things probably looked a little bit different as to what I was focusing on was because the influences were coming from were coming from Melbourne mm-hmm. I wasn't really thinking about what was happening around me I was the more more sort of like in awe of what was happening uh, you know on the other side of the world um, that's not to disregard what was happening in Melbourne in any way but for me I found I, I considered that to be the forefront of development of urban art and you know for me it was always about style it was always about painting it was never about this this political this you know this this whole um, the politics of the scene and the, the kind of gang aspect of it it was just for me it was always about the power that like the power that the pieces held themselves the expression and the the character and the kind of the energy that was behind them you know and you know it was basically just always striving to kind of find something that was more more engaging more powerful more more dynamic you know within the piece so yeah I think you know in that, in that way it was just constantly looking for new things you know new yeah. ways of doing things so yeah 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 I didn't realize you were from uh, Tassie I think you've mentioned it to me years ago but I just I forgot because yeah. I, you know, um, you know, I've had multiple trips overseas, and the first one I went to uh, London for two and a half years in the early two thousands. Then when I came back, it was like, um, like you, Adnate, and um, Slicer that started A Wall, and mm-hmm. you know, it was yep. my first sort of introduction yeah, to yeah, the three for sure. Like, um, like how did the uh, A Wall crew come about? Um, I think if uh, I think it was about two thousand and six. Um, and it was actually like, I mean, um, Adnate and Slicer were already good friends and they were painting a lot together. Um, and it was actually on, on, on one auspicious day um, that um, uh, I, like, we had, they had two separate meetings um, with two soon to be AWOL members, which was me and, and um, Ansa, um, who's the. Um, Canadian artist Lee Hill he goes under Lee Hill now which is his surname um, and so at different occasions on the same day they met both of us um, painting a wall and we all ended up just going painting together and it's sort of like I guess the, the 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 feeling behind what we were doing and and all of our collective approach and our interest within the work was just kind of, um, yeah, undeniable. Like there was just an alignment, and I think you know there was no kind of official like, this has begun. You know, it was just that we started painting together all the time, and it just grew from there. And it was all we always it all kind of came down to a common, I guess, a common appreciation for um, aesthetic, but also process. You know. Mm-hmm in how we developed walls uh you know not just like 
rocking up and just painting pieces in the line. It was always about um, considering how the wall, you know, was laid out from the beginning, like, and, and that, you know, in a really simple structural manner, like, what's the composition going to be? Like, where's the weight going to be? Where's the negative space going to be? You know, what, what, who's going to go where and, and how are they going to, um, how are they going to interact with, with what's happening on the wall? And so there was always kind of like the sort of over time they developed, I guess, this, this way of, of, of doing things, which was like, usually that there would be an architect you know there'll be sort of one person or two people max that would actually design the structure of the wall otherwise it's just too many cooks in the kitchen so yeah that's like yeah so yeah that's kind of how it all kind of came together Mm. um yeah yeah i really um like the fact that you know you all had you all worked really well together or you still do but uh you've all got really um different styles it's almost like different personalities because sometimes you get a crew of guys together and they all their styles start to blend together as one it's just it's only the names that really um you know separate them yeah whereas with you guys you all had really um although you worked well together you still had really distinct styles and it was like different personalities on the wall i think that's what made it so compelling for well you know um you know i guess so interesting for 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 other people as well as us uh, was that we <clears throat> we did all have really disparate styles and I think it was because of the differences in the styles and us almost fi- navigating a way for them to to cooperate um, was what made it kind of um, yeah like a, an interesting um, gathering of, of, of styles and, and, and perspectives I guess and you know it, it's it was it's never like easy too you know it was like it was always you, there's always a bit of a a bit of a struggle a little bit like when you're in the studio and you're kind of trying to tackle something new or you always go through this conflict period and then you find resolve it's kind of like a, a sort of universal story but with with us working together, there would be times when we would be, you know, in conflict about what we were doing, but we would always find resolve there, and then there'd be a kind of an opening and or release of energy that would really start to start to to hum, you know, to really come together, you know. And then once you're on that once you're on that line, then it's like, yeah, then you're really flying kind of thing. And then other days, you know, things just flow. Yeah. It's really cool to see that you've all uh, embarked on like gallery careers as well, and uh, you've all, you know, sort of developed. I guess sort of evolved your styles, but um, now you look a lot more separate than you did earlier. Like, like when you were doing graffiti, it sort of worked more as a unit. But you've really sort of, um, you know, Adnate's doing the big portraits. Mm. Um, you know, you're doing abstract work, mm. and Slice is doing his abstract mm. work as well, but mm. even more sculptural mm. stuff as well. Mm. Like, but for you personally, like, what made you, um, you know, want to start pursuing a career in the gallery space? I think that that time when AWOL was really active was a really formative period for all of us. It was kind of like a, an accelerator, you know, in development, in, in, in craft, in, in, in just really, really, really 
pushing ourselves um, forward. So um, now, like, I guess that sort of propelled us all in in various directions, you know, as well. Our, our interests just started to really, really refine. And everyone was making discoveries um, that would kind of propel them in in their own independent direction a little bit and it was i think really natural that we should go from that 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 period of of heavy collaboration and constantly sharing um our mind streams and constantly sharing or or in some ways compromising our vision um with everyone that we would kind of as a result of that end up um, you know, finding our own groove and 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 pursuing that with with like with passion wherever that was going to go, and for me it was never so much about making a conscious decision to go towards exhibiting in a gallery context and and pursuing a maybe more contemporary art practice in a traditional sense, but it was it was really just a natural evolution of what I was doing because um, moving from moving from the street practice uh, which is still a big part of my work today um, into a gut into the studio and, and, and working you know at a smaller scale and working with new 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 textures new materials that just grabbed me because I guess in that context you're able to develop and create and prototype and refine ideas in a controlled environment. And that's, I think, really important if you're trying to push your work forward, you know, mm. sort of um, inevitable that you'll find yourself in a new space mm. as the practice evolves, you know. Yeah. And do you, uh, do you make a living off your art now? I do. Yep. Cool. I have done for quite a long time now, which is, no. you know, great. I consider myself to be really lucky to be doing that. It's never, it's, it's obvious. It's never always easy. I mean, it's, it's ups and downs. You know, um, I, you know, I've been able to do it, which is great. Um, and that's, you know, both, sort of project work and exhibitions, um, and, yeah. I mean, I guess. I've been able to do that because of a f- certain level of flexibility um, and, you know, having, uh, you know, I guess, a lot of different avenues and a lot of different skill sets, which means, you know, I can kind of be working on a lot of things at one time. Mm. Um, but, you know, my background's in design. I studied graphic design at Monash University. So... Yeah, I think that really, I mean, that kind of training um, really helps with things like your marketing and um, designing your own, um, you know, working on media and promotion and business as well. I mean, it's, it's all, they're all really valuable tools that I, you know, learnt either at uni or just in the deep water. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've always found that like I've changed careers a few times, but but I always find that in my life, doesn't matter what 
skills I've learned, they all come in handy. You mm. know what I mean? It's like absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it's like joining the dots looking backwards. Like at the time you're like, oh well that was, you know, five years of my life that was wasted. Sure. But then you find yourself in a situation where it's like you utilize yeah, pulling, those skills. Pulling on and, that skill set yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Because like I've always thought that your art has a real graphical look to it. Did you um do you ever work as a graphic designer? Or did you go straight into your art career outside of uni? Yeah, I finished I started I started freelancing uh, in second year uni, sort of midway through, started working for myself and just didn't stop. Hmm. Um, the workload just got intense as well and I had to kind of juggle uni and work. Um, and then so, unlike a lot of people who, who were studying, who went from finishing the course to applying for jobs at design studios or doing internships and things. I, I just sort of like, it just, the line just faded and I finished uni, but I just was already already quite deeply committed to, a, you know, a, an independent practice and sort of just didn't look back from there. You know, it was, and at that time I was doing a lot of design work, yeah. And I, I, I have only really worked in a couple of studios and that was on a, in freelance terms mm. um, so yeah it used to be a lot of design nowadays almost none I mean the design skills I use are, are pretty much for my own my own promotion the work I do for um, the promotion on my shows or my website or whatever that be yeah yeah yeah, I, uh, I can't stand looking at a computer these days. It's there like is I, that. There is that also. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it's it's also a, a kind of. Yeah, I, I think we all, yeah. <laughs> most people can share that kind of um, disinterest in in staring at a screen. Mm. Yeah, for, like I know I went from like having like eight to twelve hours a day of computer work, and nowadays like my computers only used for emails, podcasting, and Netflix, and that's about it. It's just like. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, like I leave, I can go days without yeah. looking at it. And I, I do it, a lot you know. of, I still, actually do a lot of design work in correlation with the project work I do. So in mm. developing concepts, I use a lot of Illustrator and Photoshop for you know creating you know mockups and designs and mm. you know yeah. all this kind of thing proposals. You know, yeah. so I do spend a lot of administration time and developmental work on the on the laptop and yeah, yeah. So, and editing photos too because I I'm really into photography so it's kind of that's another thing I'll just sit there and <laughs> yeah play with parameters <laughs> yeah so with the um like as with your murals they're quite like uh you know very graphical like so do you like design them on the computer and then you execute them by hand or there's no set rule of the way that I work, but in general, if it's a large job, uh, commission-based project, which is, um, which calls for the presentation of designs, the process will usually go from a documented documentation of the space to a pencil drawing. Um, I always start with a pencil. That's, I mean, that's something I took away from, I can't remember who it was at uni. They just they were very adamant about never start a design on the computer, ever, you know. Really, like, try to rough and develop ideas on paper. I mean, and 
being or, or also being a drawer you know that kind of came naturally so and that comes from the graph background too you know you always sketch things before you develop a final final concept or final design so I always develop on paper um, and then from there you know scanning and depending on what how finished a concept is required for the job um, I may take that sketch and uh, digitize it in some way to present a rough directional concept or alternatively a complete um, color mock-up of the design to the to write down to the dimensions you know mm. but most commonly a lot of my walls um, are painted on the fly like most most of the time I'll present part of the work or a, or an example of the work or even something as small as just a color scheme like swatches and for me the the real I guess the convincing factor in working with clients is really in the conversation it really comes down to you know developing language around the work so referring to you know referring to the language of your past work and finding out what what is of interest to them and, and why it's of interest to them rather than trying to present something complete in order to get their confidence more getting their confidence through language so that you can then just express and do your thing mm. um, that's the way I like to work the most you know yeah because you've got to leave it open because otherwise you're um, you know you're giving them too much room to dictate as well yeah it's, for me it's not so much about dictation it's more about losing the losing that that magic that is painting like on the spot that is creating from from a a, a place that is in response to where you're at at that moment so it's like it's you know you're not just looking at a design and and copying it onto the wall mm. you're what really interests me about street painting these days is looking at space looking at environment and like looking at architecture looking at the walls the nuances of, of texture and forms and windows and grates and whatever that is i like i want to build a visual language around that that has a conversation with that that's that's what interests me so as in as much as i can working in a in a um in the project um framework i'm sort of trying to set myself up as much as I can to be there at the wall and basically paint without any plan. Yeah. And also like working with the space and, um, you know, in integrating artwork with the space instead of just slapping an image on the wall. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just not, I'm not even interested in that anymore. Mm. You know, things die really quickly for me, you know, like I'm constantly... I'm very comfortable with my rate of change, you know. I really love that about my relationship to creativity. It's, it, it powers, you know. It's kind of something that I did, you know. It doesn't mean that it's not of interest, but I'm very happy to just move on and, and let things go, you know. Um, and, and, and like you just described there, um, just 
slapping or applying an image on a wall to me is is such old news in terms of in terms of the development of mural art it's just it's just so it has to be more than that now i mean it's that that is just it's just so yesterday that kind of approach of like well there's nothing there's nothing unique there's nothing really that interesting about just chucking an image on a wall for me personally what what i'm interested in is seeing how people use entire buildings how people use space or use the the existing architecture or even beyond that work with architects and i mean that's a kind of that's a bit of a funny zone as well because it can work and it can not work as well it depends on how it's how it's done but yeah i think that's like spatial design and environmental design is really where i am interested in taking the work um because for me that that is a much more immersive form of artwork you know it's much more site specific um you know it's it's there's a little bit more depth to it yeah totally yeah yeah i love working with spaces i've yeah. been getting right into it yeah it's um it's a real challenge mm, you know? it is yeah that's and it's, the fun isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. and you walk away and you know like you can put a photo of it on instagram or whatever and people see it and go oh it looks good but if you're actually standing there amongst the artwork you feel the presence of the artwork and you're actually mm. stepping into a, a painting if you yeah, know what i mean absolutely um, yeah i just completed a 360 degree painting the other day awesome and um yeah it's just uh, people are going to be seeing it just uh the next two weeks yeah pretty cool. excited about that but yeah that, well i mean that 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 kind of idea of like you you might have seen me do a few pieces where i painted the ground and inside of you know skate parks and on roofs and things like that and i, I jump at any opportunity i can to 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 play outside that that, that sort of the regular framework of, of you know mural or street art or whatever you want to call it um you know that, that keeps my interest you know mm. it's also the challenge like you say i like the challenge you know yeah if it's not challenging me I, i'm not learning and if i'm not learning then it's just not interesting for me so speaking of challenging something that i find really challenging is being really clean and getting really sharp like shapes like you paint with a lot of like perfect straight lines and perfect circles and sure and like shapes that look like they're coming out of a computer but yeah yeah like so i take it you use a lot of like tape and string and stuff to uh you know get all these like angles and shapes spot on yeah it, d- it depends on what i'm trying to achieve um the the texture or the, the form that i'm painting will you know dictate the tools that i use these days i pretty much use about 95% um, acrylic paint and about 5% spray paint. Um, that's just purely based on the actual techniques I'm doing and trying to achieve. Um, and also because I'm just, you know, I'm sort of done with the fumes and breathing in the paint. Um, that's just not of interest to me anymore. Uh, I, I just hate wearing a mask and, you know, I just, I love the freedom of being just having clean like clear air and just painting you know and, and not having to put anything on um but really the the line work and all and the accuracy um 
is I guess a two-part thing. It's like there are tools that I use that are pretty rudimentary, um, like uh, a string line, you know, with uh, a little implement attached to the end of it, which holds chalk. It's for teachers drawing on chalkboards to not get dusty hands. It's called a teacher's clutch, and you just put the chalk in there. So I kind of have developed these little, these funny little tools, you know, that I use to do things like, you know, all the arcs and circles and segments and stuff like that. And it, but it's very fluid, you know, it's not like oh, I'm going to grid out the whole wall and do this thing. It's, it's like there's, you know, I'll, I'll start, you know, with my left hand on the string and my right hand on the tool and do, do an arc and stop at one point and then I'll just sort of do a line from that point and then it'll sort of grow mm. very organically. Mm. Um, and then on the larger scale, it requires some some maths and divisions and stuff like that. But generally, I like the idea of what I call fluid geometry, which is just this kind of organic. It's a non. It's mathematical by nature, but it's not using the language of maths. It's it's. I'm not using numbers. I'm just using my own spatial awareness. And yeah, that's that's something I'm very good at. Is looking at a point and standing over here and and meeting that point just by just by estimating the distance. Mm. Um, I also use sort of straight edges, like just a, a, a piece of wood um, that I usually have like a, a, a couple of divisions marked out on, like a halfway point and a quarter point, something like that. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's those really simple tools um, that enable me to sketch the framework the control of that cleanliness just comes in practice mm. and that's that's just the, yeah that's just my arm and and, and years and years and years of of, of doing it mm. yeah and another um technique that came from you that i've only picked up recently like i was um helping Callum preston with the installation at vanilla art gallery earlier yep. in the year and um and we did a did this like big mural but it was all signage and everything. It was all with foam rollers. Yep. And he said that he got that from you. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Those rollers um, be really quickly became the the you know the the primary tool in my practice for street work. Um, they're just so simple, but the things that you can do with them is just, is just incredible. Like how you how much you can control with those with those tools. And, you know, a lot of the time, like, I really, it's, it gets to the point where I very rarely need to use anything else. It's mm. just pretty much do everything with those little rollers. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I love them. I've yep. been, like, ever since then, I've been, you know, using them religiously. Yeah. Yep. And it gives you a very graphic feel. It's yeah. a, a real clarity. Yeah. Crisp. Really flat. Finish. And you can use, um, you can use the edge to get, like, a, a really sharp line but then yep. you can also use the the round end and draw with it like it's exactly. a thick marker or something yeah, like yep, that yeah and then you know when you when they when they're sort of dried off more you can you can actually do really interesting blending techniques and stuff with them so yeah they're they're a great little tool for yeah. sure the humble foam roller the humble eh? foam roller yeah yeah what would we do without it yeah yeah i remember about a, um about a year ago i went to your, uh, your exhibition at no vacancy in uh, at Fed Square. Yep. And I, I wasn't aware of your like your studio practice of what you were doing. I knew sure. I've seen the, your murals and everything, yep. and um, I was aware of that sort of style that yep. you're doing. 
But then when I saw what you were actually doing in the gallery space, I was mm. like, I was blown away. I was mm. like, man, this is really cool. Oh, cool. Um, like, how long have you been working with that um, sort of abstract ex- expressionism mixed with like graphic graphical elements sort of style? You yeah, doing? it's it's um, it's quite a few years now. Um, yeah, I guess there was a point in um, in in my painting where I developed a, a, pr- a pretty strong identity. It's very very defined um, formula for my painting, which was the intersecting geometry, very vivid colors, and I felt that there was um, a part of myself or a, a part of the picture that was missing, uh, something that wasn't being expressed in that. Uh, which was maybe a little bit more melancholic, was a little bit more um, chaotic, um, a little bit darker. And um, that sort of started to kind of come through in the work. Um, And there was one really formative trip uh, that I did to Europe um, a few years ago where I guess I was thinking really deeply about, about these these ideas and 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 finding this balance with the work and finding a, a I guess a, a more a truthful voice uh, for what I what I was feeling about it and and the inclusion of those you know really humanistic um, you know f- elements you know and um, on that trip you know I was kind of exploring um, and and also being influenced by some of the some of the people I was um, I was staying and painting with, um, uh, like uh, some of the members of DMV crew, uh, Brusque and uh, Cri, and there I guess through through that trip um, I was painting in a lot of abandoned buildings and and I had a lot of opportunity to kind of um, accelerate the development of, of those ideas and, and just play really freely like without. The, the the watching eyes of you know any, anything I did that I wanted to share I would share anything I didn't want to share would just be in a building somewhere in the middle of nowhere so I really felt free to explore and the more I did the more I started to um, develop these elements these textures these colors that were a little bit sort of counter to to what I was known for which is you know bright colors and very sharp everything very sharp and clean and um so I think the development of that style really began there um it really started to kind of come to fruition um when I returned from that trip and I started painting like on yeah, in, in, in the studio and, and doing more, more canvas work and um, exploring those ideas and the discoveries that I'd made there um, in depth with controlled environment again, um, which meant that I could really refine it. And that's when I started to, I guess, abstract the work a lot more than it was. Um, and And it's something that was really, really natural to me um because it's something that i've always been really engaged with and really interested in for my entire artistic i guess life um it's just that some it's not something that i've included so much in my work 
although pre pre geometry deems there was a lot of wild style going on so there was already that kind of interest in that in that in that kind of wild nature and you know fast forward to today those textures are really prominent in the work um, and my understanding them of them has has developed a lot and come a long way um, and I feel that they're the language that they contain and the ideas behind those elements is is now you know really really meaningful to me you know it has a lot of history already so yeah that's that's pretty much you know I guess how you know how we evolve is 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 through those pivotal moments in time where you feel that there's something not being included you know in the work or something not being said and I think I'm really interested in and this is quite an ambiguous concept truth but I am really interested in being true to yourself in the sense that what you're doing is resonating with you that you're not repeating anything for any other reason but for your own interest um so yeah i think that that's that's really what it comes down to is kind of like looking constantly checking in to see whether the work's feeding you and if it's stopped feeding you then it's definitely time to move on it's definitely time to break away from that and that's that's how i developed into that style and now it's it's evolved to a point where it's it includes both elements and i keep jumping back and forth you know i keep kind of introducing parts from the past or parts of older bodies of work into sort of the new bodies of work and i i I love that that non-linear language that happens within your lifetime as well like not looking at it as a line but looking at it as kind of a continuum and picking up pieces from all different parts and finding connections there like Mm -hmm. discovering meaning in it yeah yeah definitely so with the um with your paintings they've got a looseness but then there's a real tightness to them at the same time yeah absolutely there's a real tension in there yeah Yeah. so do you like are they that like are they really thought out or are they just like you just sort of go with the flow yeah a bit of both Mm. so it's kind of like the the process is um really really refined now and there's the, I guess the development of the more ab- abstracted form or the organic forms um, are, are created through a really kind of non-analytical process. It's about, that is a kind of a, a true, a true abstract um, practice, you know, very meditative. Uh, it's about getting myself in a, in a, in a sort of a, a very deep space um, and, and, just letting things unfold basically um and then that's how i kind of build up that texture or build up that natural naturalistic that organic foundation and then from there i start to play with things like composition and and i'm really not the way i work these days is really about it's very it's changing very rapidly it's becoming 
much more about um, removing myself from the limits of a canvas because I often paint this first stage and I'll actually then take the cam the canvas off the stretcher I'll you know crop a piece out of it I'll mount that on something else I'll introduce a whole nother section of texture through a medium and then I'll photograph that and then I'll put that in Photoshop and then I'll look at different compositions with, with line work and then I'll take you know so it's just really like this a multi-layered it's not just painting and painting it's, it's like it's it's really becoming much more about building imagery mm. and so there's yeah like coming back to your question there's there's two for me there's kind of two distinct parts to it and one is the development of this natural foundation this kind of chaotic organic whatever you want to call it um and then two this much more considered element of the practice which is where I start looking at the work and I start responding to the work and really what it's what I've come to understand about it is that I'm trying I'm trying to develop something that is beyond me that is not mine in that first phase in the same way that you would find a really amazing wall in an abandoned building that is just beaten by weather and age and respond to that interact with that and find a, a conversation between you and that I'm trying to develop those the same feeling within that first layer of the work so that it's not something that I feel is necessarily mine and then there's a process is of me then conversing with that um, with that kind of texture and yeah, it makes for a really enjoyable um, practice as well. These days, it's like I said, it's evolving really quickly, and I'm much more, I'm much less bound by this idea of painting. I mean, it's more assemblage. It's becoming more about. I think you'll see that in my next show in September. It's it's really pushing forward into into sculpture. Um, but still, still utilizing pretty traditional techniques. But it's just uh, becoming much more about building imagery, like I said. Mm. And with the the work that you've been doing, the abstract work, it has like a lot of shadows and depth to it, like through using multiple like um, colors in one stroke and things. Yeah, yeah. Um, are those shadows created accidentally, or have you actually worked out a way of um, like do you think it through and go if I put like multiple colors on the one brush or whatever, or however you're making it, yeah, uh, you can create a shadow with certain line work. Yeah, well, I think it's good to properly answer that question to actually go a little bit deeper into the development of that that texture and how that came to where it is now. I used to work with wet mixing, like opaque wet mixing acrylic paints. Um, where I would, you know, basically I'd add a, a drying retarder to slow the paint drying down to the acrylic, so it gives me more working time, and then I'd basically be working on the vertical, on the wall, um, with big brushes and blending, basically just lots and lots of blending. And it, because the acrylic's open for longer, I can sort of play with it for 20, 30 minutes even, 
if I keep wetting it down and stuff. And and that would mean that I was mixing mixing colours, um, you know, different tones and stuff like a set palette. But it would be developing one layer, a flat kind of blend of 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 texture and brush stroke. And it's really interesting because I would as part of the practice then I would then render those strokes you know I'd go back in and painstakingly spend like days and days and days and days rendering with spray paint and pulling all that imagery out pulling all that form out and actually developing all that light and shadow play whereas it slowly evolved to the point where now I'm actually I work on the on the flat I, on that stage of the painting I, it's always on a on the on the ground or on a table and there's usually an underpainting involved so there'll be one pigment or a color that is underneath that I'll then wet mix over the top of which will create kind of like um, almost a photoluminescence because the, sh- the lights coming from underneath from the color underneath and the color on top is usually the desaturated color so you get this kind of almost like an x-ray effect um, where you're working a little bit in reverse it often looks actually the imagery often looks like it's been inverted because I'm working with something like a color underneath and a dark color on top so it's gone from creating a layer and rendering for a long period of time whereas what I always wanted to achieve was a much more refined and much more kind of a much quicker process which would allow me to to, to basically just play in one session and then let that dry and that's kind of like that's what I play that's it the rendering's not required and that just has come about through practice through development of, 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 of those strokes and and really developing my own unique ways of, of applying the paint and applying the brush strokes so that to answer your question those shadows that are created and that depth that's created is really just intuitive it's there's no real calculating what goes where it's just that because of the technique I'm able to kind of create the depth and because of the choice of underpainting and the choice of top wet mixed color on top of that and it's it's always evolving too and it's something that I like now it's becoming really photographic like the the actual textures that I'm doing and creating to me look more like photographs than they do like painting now so which I really like you know I think it's really nice yeah I was going to ask you that actually um like with your you said you're into photography a lot and on your Instagram you got a lot of like great photos mm. does, does that um does a lot of your photography speak to your art and like dictate yeah. like new paintings and it doesn't you know. dictate paintings but I think part of the reason that I sh- part of the reason why I'm sharing the photos and I have kind of held back for a long time about with sharing photos on on that page um, you know for various reasons but now I feel like I really want people to have a connection a, I guess a, a deeper connection with my creative narrative um, and the, the photos really to me um, in that context 
demonstrate my, I guess, sensibility, my my way of, of looking and framing, um, my what interests me, what what triggers my eye. You see in photographs, and you can a lot of the time you can pull a painting up and put it next to it and you can go wow like look how similar one like the colors are and two even the composition is you know so I love showing that connection but the way that I my relationship to those practices is very separate so the photographs enable me to be creative but just as an observer without having to be really, really engaged in a physical practice. But then that really comes through subliminally in the work. It's really just influencing me on a much more subtle level. I think these days I'm finding even... I think the connection is coming closer and closer and closer these days, like with the photography and the painting and... Yeah, I've, I've eat, it, it's very counter to, to my own process, but um, I'm even open to the idea of, of actually painting some paintings based on photographs. I've never done that before because I'm generally just working in pure abstraction, but I actually like the idea of exploring that, like um, having a reference and and doing a painting from the photo could be could be something new, you know. Yeah. Apart from that, do you have any other like future plans and projects on the go? Um, at the moment, I just got back from seven weeks in Europe. So I've been traveling in um, Portugal, um, the Netherlands, Germany and Iceland. And so I'm, I'm pretty much just kind of picking up the pieces um, and, and getting in the studio, um, putting together this collection for the show in September. Um, and I'd proto- I kind of prototyped the works before before I left so I really kind of developed a, a really clear idea of what I was going to explore um, so I've sort of come back um, to a you know to a really clear path which is really nice creatively just to come back and be like not not having to question what I'm about to do. It's just like, yep, this is what you're going to do. And it's just really about digging into it and, you know, just diving in and just, you know, exploring that concept and that idea as much as I can um, to create something um, something new because, you know, every everyone is very different. Yeah. I look forward to seeing it. I saw um, Mick Porter this morning. And he said that you're doing some really interesting stuff. Mm. Yeah, I showed I showed him through the studio the other day yeah. when he was around. So yeah, it's very few people uh, exposed to this new work. So yeah, I'm kind of doing my best to kind of keep it under wraps. But it's hard because you get so excited about what you're doing mm. um, that you want to share it, but. I, I, there's so much more to be gained that by by just holding it back and being yeah. patient because you, I mean it's just that you have to walk that line between maintaining engagement with your audience and 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 also maintaining mystique you know so it's sort of like this fine line where you got to give them give them a little bit but don't give them too much because oh. I think uh, especially with this work because I think people are going to consider it to be quite um quite a big step um i think 
I kind of want to just that I want that shock value. <laughs> yeah. You know, I want people to go like, you know, like what the fuck basically, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, you know, still very connected to the last shows, but it's going in a direction that for me has just flung open a door to a whole new realm of practice, which I'm really excited about. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, that's, I really want to take it further, you know. Yeah, because I've seen your last few shows and it's been from strength to strength. And so, yeah, this is going to be an exciting one. Yeah. So what's the um, what's the details like so people can sort of... Oh, uh, yeah, so the, the show um, opens 21st of September at uh, Besser Space. Um, and that is on... Is Stanley Street? Stanley Street. Yeah. I think yeah. so, in Collingwood. Collingwood. It's definitely in Collingwood. Yeah, <laughs> parallel with Easy Street. It's one over from Easy, so... Um, yeah it's a beautiful space really big um, and this is like pretty much a, sh- a self-run show mm-hmm. yeah so um, I'm sort of regularly exhibiting with Backwards Gallery um, I'll be doing a show with them early next year so I you know I was working uh, on, some new, on this new work and I really really wanted to to set a date and get this happening and that was too far away for me to wait for. So <laughs> that's the motivation behind this show is, yeah, get it out there. Sometimes it's um, it's quite empowering to do a show in a self-run space as well. Yeah. And everything's on you. You know, you're not relying on a gallery to promote it and bring in the buyers. It's yeah. just, it brings a different dimension in. It, it does. It as far as it just does. producing the work, there's a yeah. lot more thought. That Much more production it. value. And um, I think it's yeah it's a really rewarding thing I, I really like the idea of of doing both you know like bouncing between you know like uh doing a show at the gallery and doing a show by yourself and and you know just kind of keeping that i think it in a lot of a lot of ways um it i think it it really enables you to to think differently i mean you approach it differently um i feel it's just different in many ways and can be really rewarding can be really disappointing too you know depending on how much risk you're taking yeah um but yeah i hope without the risk there's no reward though yeah exactly yeah Yeah. um so if people want to check out your art online like where's the best place for them to find you um i guess if you want to engage with um my work as a kind of changing um a lot you know process based imagery instagram is the best place which is um vivid deems v-i-v-i-d-d-e-a-m-s um but i also have a website which is more i guess uh marketed towards professional clients um and that's uh swoop and melody dot com s w o p a n d m e l o d i e dot com and that contains a whole range of different work it's got it's got a lot of design work a lot of um art some art direction stuff and 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 lots of walls but it's severely out of date so instagram is probably the best platform to see current what's happening now and to um you know, to stay update with updated with what's hap- what's what's next, what's new. <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thanks for taking the time to sit down and have a chat. 
It's a pleasure. It's great to find out more about your practice. Thank you. No worries.